0: You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. Visit us at Australian HuntingPodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here are the hosts of the show, Jason and Mo. All right, guys, welcome back to Straight Shooting. Uh, It's been a while, and uh, I don't have Muzz on the show today, actually. He's a bit busy, so I've got – Justin's come out to give us a bit of a hand. Hello. Uh, Yeah, and have a chat about all what's been happening in the industry. We've got heaps to talk about. I think there's way too much to talk about, and uh, it's been good because, you know, I've just been enjoying going back to uh, a lot of the hunting, which I really enjoy too, talking to a lot of different people, which – you know, just, I don't know, getting back to the basics, I guess, and not really talk about politics all the time. A lot of people have enjoyed it, but yes, I've I've also received, you know, quite a number of emails going, when's it happening? What's going on with the straight shooting? But uh, here it is, and we've got uh, heaps to talk about it. But before we do that, mate, what's been happening with yourself, mate? How's life treating you, and uh, have you been busy?
1: Yeah, not too bad. More of the same, just uh, trying to, you know, pay the bills. Um, I took a bit about a year off after the last election of the, the campaigning, just it's the right time to come back because um, there's so much going on. There's so much adversely affecting us that um, people need to know what they can do and we need to help them start doing that.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to talk to a few uh, gun shop owners today. Steve Threlfall from Trellies down there in Victoria. We're going to find out how uh, it's affected his business because, as we know, a lot of these gun shop closures and public land hunting closures, you know really affected business and we don't know if you know a lot of these businesses are going to be able to recover after being shut could be a couple of months could be even 6 months and i think i think as time pans out i think we're probably going to see some closures we're going to possibly see some bankruptcies which is disappointing but hopefully you know people are in a position that they're going to be able to move forward after you know, these closures stop and we can get back to our hunting and shooting activities. Uh, we're going to go through some voicemails. We're going to go through some emails. So sit back, strap in, and there's going to be a bit of excitement on this show. I think it's going to be a great one. All right, first email is from Michael. He said, Dear Muzz and Jason, well, in this case, you can be. Mars Justin, so be dear Justin and Jason. I recently listened to your previous episode uh, on Straight Shooting Podcast and who had firearms registries underfunded. You're worried that we might end up with a Western Australian style government is calling for a user pay system where we're forced to pay for the system we don't want in the first place. I disagree we should make it a user pay system where those who want the system need to fork out the money and pay for it. So here is my proposal. Uh, first we take it out of the police commissioner's salary. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to take it out of their salary. But, um, yeah, mate. hey, if I had my way, I'd definitely 100% agree with you. Uh, next, we do the same for politicians and former politicians. Then we increase the taxes on the media companies and personalities <laughs> like David Koch and Walid Ali. This is genius. Um, yeah, I think I saw a meme the other day too. It was kind of funny. Like if coronavirus was a, a thing, it'd be like the, pro- the project, you know. So And slug them for as much as we can get out of them. Next, we take it out of those on welfare on the grounds of health and public safety after we put it up toll booths on every bike path so we can um, get more out of them any spare dollar remaining can go to fund fusion upgrade ranges just to add insult to inquiry it's only fair for those who want gun control should uh pay for it mate what's uh what do you reckon about michael's email what's your thoughts initially
1: it's a genius idea and it's absolutely common sense, which sadly is why it's never going to happen because Australian politics is a common sense and logic-free zone. But, uh, yeah, great idea. And I think um, uh, comedy and humour is an important way to um, – uh, what's the word? Fight back is not the not the word – but to um, c- come against the statists and authoritarians who want to control us by, by actually mocking what they're doing. Um, Humour is a powerful weapon, and it's been demonstrated in other countries as a, an effective way of um, highlighting just how stupid these policies are.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I wish we could get them to pay for. Them. I mean, have you seen the exuberant prices they pay in WA just to have a mm-hmm. firearms license? I mean, you know, we've seen that the gun shops didn't get any uh, update on the gun shop closures in WA, which we're going to talk about a bit later. So we don't want to go too much into that right now, but. Yeah, it's been a really really hard time for firearms owners over, you know, this last couple of weeks with this coronavirus and I keep telling people, you know, if you haven't woken up by now, you know, you're never going to. I mean, me and Justin just before the show were talking about, you know, the unconstitutional behaviour of closing borders. Um, we've seen the DPI, you know, taking advice from the police on when to shut down. I mean, you'd think that would come through, Justin, through mm. to, you know, the, the minister or the at least the police commissioner, then onto the minister, then into cabinet and then the Berejiklian government organising you know, the shutdown of state forest hunting in New South Wales. I mean, but yet they put it straight on their website that, oh, you know, in regards to, you know, police told us basically, and that's our inquiry from police and we need to shut it down. Like, it's just, it's just, oh, where do we go from here, guys? It's a very, very sad time uh, indeed. All right, next email is up from Mark. So thanks, Mark, for writing in. He goes, hey, Jason... I hope you're well. I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Just finished up episode 204 and you were asking for advice on solo hunting in State forests. I've been going myself two, three and four day trips for a few years now. Yeah, the first night out there, you think you hear footsteps breaking sticks outside your swag, but after a while, it really just sounds like the bush. Now, I, I agree. I must admit, I find... I've been on a couple of trips now on my own. One was on private property, but I was on my own on the private property because the other guy lived close by. But I wanted to sort of spend time in the bush. I just wanted to spend a bit of time on my own. And uh, yeah, it was not as bad as I thought. I find if you just sort of focus on what's immediately in front of you and what you're doing, uh, it's not really an issue. Um, you know, it's it, I don't sit there. Like I remember when I went to the loo and I sort of walked out of the light of my camp <laughs> and I was staring like into just like, what's up on the hill? And you just... <laughs> You just start seeing things. You just start sort of, you know, you, I guess the demons in your mind start playing tricks on you. I guess I'm just not a big fan of the dark. But he said, my advice would be don't camp under large branches that could come down at night with high winds. Yep, I totally agree, mm-hmm. mate. Uh, trees is just the, the worst. That I've seen trees absolutely crush cars and if you were in them you'd have been dead uh don't camp on tracks due to people driving uh late at night could run over into your vehicle or vehicle camp yep Yep. 100 percent, mate great one there make sure you have a good camp chair and just sit under the stars and enjoy the time mate totally agree i got a camera lens a dslr i think it's a Oh, I don't even know 18 to 35 Sigma art lens cost me like yeah, nice. too much to even think. it's like a grand and really 1.8 aperture so it's really good at night and stuff like that so I'm just getting into a bit of sort of night photography and star photography wasn't as good <laughs> as I thought it was going to be because it was a bit cloudy that night so um, it's it. and then he goes on to say with two uh, two kids under five years old I struggled to get out as often as I would like well I'm sure oh, yeah, we Justin can all, <laughs> can all appreciate that <laughs> well, I've, got, I've got no kids uh, Mark so i kind of probably appreciate it as much as uh justin can but uh and then he says as, as often as i would like it really makes all life's problems seem to fade uh after a day or so in the yep. bush keep up the great work so yeah i mean some mm. great advice there
1: this it does take a time to acclimatize because being outside and in the natural environment is our natural habitat humans should never be in cities and, and urban environments we're just not it, it's it's all wrong for our soul and our psyche, wh- whatever you want to talk about, your subconscious. So um, getting out there, leaving the city behind is very good for, for everybody. I and, mean, yeah, it does take a while to get back in rhythm with nature and the sound and the smell and, and the ozone and all the good things that are out there that the poor city dwellers are missing out on. So, yeah, good, good, good.
0: Yeah, mate, it's great. And, I, you know, what I really wanted to challenge myself on that too because – you know, yeah, I don't, not just, I don't, I'm not worried about getting attacked. I'm not worried about any of that sort of thing. Like, I know nothing can attack me. It's more just, I don't know, I'm not a fan of the dark. I don't know, like, yeah, <laughs> it probably sounds a bit sissy. Maybe we should, uh, <laughs> maybe we should go on to uh, the next email. But uh, Mark, thanks for writing in. Uh, really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying the show and continue listening. So thanks very much for that. All right, next up, we've got uh, Phil. Uh, Phil says, good day, Jason. Great to hear another straight shooting podcast, getting back to good format like before. Well, Thank you very much. Uh, It was a good blend of stuff and just the right mix to make it interesting. Well, thank you. Mars was spot on about the sheeple knitting three good kickings to the head uh, before they vote the evil bastards out. Well, yep, we know that's true. People just keep keep getting shit on. We've seen that with um, up north. What's his name? Barnaby Joyce. The, The amount of his... The amount of his, sorry, indiscretions is uh, crazy that they keep voting in. Jewel Citizen uh, had his, you know, baby mama's wife working in uh, his office, uh, then got back into parliament, then got booted from the top job. Uh, It's crazy. But uh, he goes, I was sure we would have a weak labor government by now, both state and federal. Well, we know that didn't happen, but that's, that's probably a good thing Mm. with more independence and minor parties to help stop them wrecking my once great country. Better. They do nothing than make the new working poor struggle to live just to line their pockets of these filthy rich, lower than snake shit people. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I I do appreciate your frustration because you know, I've been on this for 10 years and I haven't really Mm. seen much change in 10 years. And, Mm. uh, yeah, we've all thought that. Why am I even still doing this? You know, surely I can just go out and enjoy my life. And this is why people have really turned off politics. But he says a bit more. That's, I'm just not going to read on the show. It's a bit more personal stuff. He said, keep up the great work. And although the pollies and their inner city lape sip, sipping supporters suck, every person that takes up hunting, fishing, or anything that takes them outdoors surely can only help the cause. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Uh, I got my second deer with almost two years between drinks, uh, but seen some stuff out there and missed the snap-off hand shot on a red, so all worthwhile. Well, Mm. congratulations on that, mate, getting your second deer. I know it took me a long time. If you've been listening to the show, you probably said it a million times on the show. People get sick of me probably saying it, but it took me a long time to get my first deer. So Uh, the meat is so good, and I got heaps more as it was a big dough. Congratulations. Good. Nothing added but salt and pepper and bread so far. So I'd have maybe had it on a sandwich or something or, a you know, replaced it instead of a sausage, had like a deer sanger. They're probably, oh, nice. Pretty tasty. Mm. Uh, the rest is now frozen but should be just as good. Um, it would be great to hear how your hunt went. Well, I've been mm. on several hunts since then. Um, we're going to try and get Justin out here. Yep, sounds um, Coming up soon. So hopefully that's going to be exciting. And, uh, well, unfortunately we can't go hunting <laughs> at the moment mm. because the state forest closures but i'm hoping you know sometime in the future you know down the track hopefully by june long weekend we will be able to get out again unfortunately the rut's probably going to be you know absolutely destroyed here there's not much we're going to be able to do but you know man it is what it is and we need to get back hunting as soon as rather than possible but yeah i've been on a few trips um i went on a rabbit hunting trip probably a month ago now so i made a bit of stuff for youtube about it so I've changed the name of my YouTube channel too. i got two Australian hunting podcasts just for the podcast and then AHP Outdoors for just my personal one. So if you want to check out those two, I made a rabbit sort of busting video. And uh, for 14 minutes of my time, Justin, you know how long it took me to edit that video? Hours. 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. And people think, mm. is is that a joke? I'm like, no, mm. I spent nah. from four o'clock one day until 10 o'clock no sorry 1 o'clock in the morning on from Friday night into, into Saturday morning and then from because I went to bed so late I got up late then went to from about 10.30 until about 7pm mm, that mm-hmm. afternoon yep. and then and then looking through it rendering it had a few small issues then fixed it but yeah I like the making those type of uh, videos they're really good man so anyway uh, Phil hope you enjoyed your hunt mate I'm glad you were able to get some meat and that's ultimately what it's all about yep alright another one email from Peter hey Jay it's just got the letter about the change of his classification of his lever guns. I know this was the end of the last year, guys, when I received this. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. Apparently, you can have no more than five rounds, but I can have five in the tube, and one in the chamber, and Vic Politis says I have a capacity of four, plus what happens uh, if you use these. Um, far as I'm aware, it just comes down to magazine capacity. They don't count. I think as far as I'm aware, they don't count the extra one. Of course, I'd probably call them up, mate. Don't obviously listen to what I say, but normally they classify... You know, the, the capacity of a firearm, generally by how many is held in the chamber. Could be wrong, but that's what I've generally seen. So my Adler's changed classification from A to B, but could be D if interpreted differently. So now I'm only able to sell my gun to a class B license holder, excluding class of holders and limiting the buying market, reducing the value of the firearm. Yep, this is what we know they do. Uh, constantly reclassify firearms and they don't have to compensate you. They make him category D. If you're a category B, A and B holder, and you try and send, you know, or sell that firearm, why on earth would somebody want you know, a lever action Adler when they can actually buy you know, a semi-auto? He goes, if it's now a Class D firearm, apparently now suitable to own Class D firearms without meeting the criteria. I also only sell it to Class D holders, further reducing the value. I'm not just going to whinge to you. I will take this to my local member. I'm out hunting and get checked with a Class D firearm and a Class A and B license. What's going to happen? Great question, Mm -hmm. mate. Will they issue new licences with the Cat D? You know, you know the government. No. (laughs) Then I'll be able to purchase other Class D firearms. What the F is up with this classification and the registry? Well, mate, I've been... What do you reckon, Justin? I've been talking about this for years, man. Uh, Look, I
1: I hate to say I told you so. No, that's not true. I told you so. This is exactly what... This is the plan. The plan is to put, first of all, anything over five rounds into Cat D. Then they'll start a media campaign about sniper rifles and any bolt action rifle will go into Cat D. Then they'll get onto pistols and put all pistols into Cat D. And then, well, because you're in Cat D and you can't get a Cat D license, we'll just cancel your license. Is this Is it effed up? Absolutely it is. What are you doing about it? I'd be interested to hear uh, how your visit with your, your MP went because... Uh, I'd like to know who they are. So if you could get back to us, Peter, just to let us know how the visit went because um, what we need to do is learn from that. What did they say so we can develop tactics for how to rebut them? Because they're all going to say the similar thing and if we can train people on how to rebut that, uh, it'll at least put them on the back foot and help us all learn how to do it better. Yes, thanks for
0: writing in, Peter. Really appreciate it. So keep listening to the show and I really appreciate your input. All right, next up, we've got uh, an email from Michael. Hi, Jason. Here is an article for you uh, that may be of interest to you to discuss on your next straight shooting. Uh, so we'll go into it first before I get back to Michael's email. So it says, uh, this is from The Age. Uh, and It's an opinion. It says, do our police officers really need military-style semi-automatics? Now, this was from Ammo Land. Uh, dot com, November 17th, 2019. So while it's a bit old, I found it very interesting. Uh, this is from Australia. says, if you can't have one, but I need one for, um, for my protection, police in Australia and state of Victoria are set to buy and fit 600 AR-15s for their patrol cars at a whopping $28,000 US per gun. Jeez, that must be some damn good ARs. they some new model? Justin, what do you reckon? Did, yeah, G- government waste... Yeah, National Shooting Council spokesman Peter Zabradak said the announcement that the government was going to spend AUD 25 million, which is US 17 million, to buy the guns is reportedly being done in the fight, of course, as always, in the name of terrorism and gun crime. Because, you know, if you've got to fight gun crime, you need to buy more AR-15s to fight gun crime. That works out AUD to 41000 or US 28000 per gun, covering the acquisition uh, under the veil of secrecy. We all want our police to be armed and protected, but no one can explain why the cost per firearm is 10 times the going weight, Mr Zabradak said. The acquisition will include five new mobile units, training and probably some additional storage, uh, but attempts by our council to find out how the money will be spent or whether the police will even get to tender are not available. So... There you go. They talk about a bit more about Port Arthur, but we'll get back into Peter's email. He goes, personally, I think the opening statement hits the nail on the head in case you can't have one, but I need one for my own protection. Agreed. The further statement also nails it. Terrorism attacks have been few and unsophisticated and changes to Australia's gun laws in '96 had no effect on gun crime. So the acquisition cannot be explained by either of those two things. Uh, Michael then goes on to say, even worse, if they truly are uh, paying 10x the going rate for AR-15s, which are really a commodity item
1: these days, certainly in the US. Cheers. Um, mm. oh, look, we witnessing what is known in the industry as weasel words, So words like terrorism, public safety, gun crime, um, public health, all of these weasel words are used to give a veneer of legitimacy to something that actually makes no sense. And yet the emotion implied is you're a bad person if you're attacking – if you're against public safety or if you're against – controlling gun crime, then you must be a bad person to criticise this decision we're making. Even though we're wasting millions of taxpayers' dollars on something that we really don't need and is probably going to be used against Australian civilians in the future, uh, let's not talk about that. Let's just cover that up. So I'd hate to see another lint Cafe or Hornsby Shopping Centre shooting by a bunch of cowboy police armed with AR-15s.
0: Very good. I just want to thank Michael again for writing in the show. Keep listening. Uh, Really appreciate it. But yeah, uh, Justin's right on that. I mean, government wastage level 5,000. I mean, they couldn't organise a bloody chook raffle, could they really? Uh, Now they're telling us where and where we can hunt. They're shutting down our gun shops. They're shutting everything down on us. uh, Under the guise of, you know, well, we don't want to spread the virus. Man, all these things are happening. I mean, do we really expect any different from uh, this government? Uh, I don't think me and Justin probably certainly don't. That's for sure. Sadly, they're meeting my expectations. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) One time I don't want them to meet my expectations (laughs) and actually excite me and do something and actually be reasonable. But uh, anyway, thanks, Michael, for writing in. Really appreciate it. So this one, next up, we've got one from Matt. Um, this one's an interesting one. We're just having a laugh about it. Greetings, Jason and Muz. what just in Justin today? Love the podcast and all the guests and discussion you've had uh, about this wonderful country and its firearms laws and the mess it's caused. My question is, and I'm not sure if you've asked this before or spoken about I'm curious to what your response would be if at the next election where we have a new Prime Minister, well, we don't, uh, who has the left side of politics and who has strong connections to the Greens, Gun Control Australia and every other anti-firearm group. The PM said all firearms, hunting, target shooting were banned immediately without any reason. That meaning every licensed firearm owner, every security company that used firearms had to hand in their firearms without compensation or money to cover the purchase of the firearms. Uh, And you had no choice but to hand them in and have them crushed by a person that was given the task of destroying the guns. What would you do? For instance, if you had a big game Rigby Rifle 416, you're well aware it was worth $20,000 rifle. As one well of the rifles you have inherited from your father or grandfather, uh, I've had for many years that are extremely important to you. Uh, having to see your possessions and your own property destroyed would make you sick, but it has happened in 1996 in Australia and recently in New Zealand and other countries where gun ownership is banned. Let's hope it never happens uh, and we continue to have some freedoms before they've taken it away. Thanks for your time. Well, you know, this is. <laughs> oh, There's probably not a great answer here because we don't want to be. Uh, targeted by the authorities so i'd like to say hello to all the asio agents listening to this (laughs) podcast and and all the other
1: ones Mm. um obviously we would uh follow the law mate we'd follow the law as instructed to uh Look, look my my personal take on this is this scenario is extremely unlikely to happen and once you learn a bit about history and how those other countries have fallen into the grip of totalitarianism it doesn't happen quickly uh, the totalitarians who run the show learned from Hitler. He seized power too quickly, he did everything too quickly and the world was able to respond and you know, essentially uh, the Allies won World War II. The, they learned from that and they are doing it slowly, slowly, slowly with small steps, making sure they consolidate their power in one position before they take another. So I don't see a Prime Minister coming in and immediately banning all guns. What I see is a slow erosion of our rights, as we've seen in the last 25 years. Slowly, slowly, slowly put something into cat D take the limp response that the gun owners have, a bit of outrage in the paper, some letters come in and then, oh, guess what? They all get used to the new normal. Then the next time you ban it, ban this or you ban that or you put extra restrictions on or you defund the firearms registry so it takes forever for PTAs to get approved. Or then you say, oh, we're not doing licensing except in the month of January. So if you want to get your license, you have to wait. And they will just generally, generally, gently, gently erode everything away without doing one single thing that's going to provoke a big reaction. And that's what I see is the bigger danger because too many shooters just get complacent and throw up their hands and say, oh, this is the new normal. And then when they, we all die off, eventually, you know, we're all going to die and our kids and grandkids are going to come through and they're going to think it's normal. All you can have is a bolt-action twenty-two, or an air rifle or a Nerf gun or you can't have anything. And just say, okay, well, we never wanted it anyway because they don't realise what they've lost. And that's a, that's a massive danger.
0: Yeah, and I tend to agree because they, you know, it'll be slow, controlled. Well, I mean, we're seeing that now. It's happened in the last 10 years since uh, I've been doing the show. It's just, It keeps getting worse and worse and worse, gun ban after gun ban after gun ban. Uh, we've got no power to really do anything about it. We'll talk about that a little bit later about, you know, maybe what some of the ways forward are. But... uh yeah, Matt, thanks for writing in with your question. I really appreciate it. Sorry, we probably couldn't give you a, a, a definitive answer on the first part because we've, as you know, we're law-abiding citizens. We've got to follow the law, mate, as it says. I know we don't like the situation, but until at such time we can you know, change those laws, we should follow them as they are and try and get as much change as we can you know, through our organisations and political parties. But to, uh, we'll follow up a bit more in the show a bit later on that particular issue. So thanks for writing in. Really appreciate it. All right, next up, we've got one from Toby. Now, I've just got the details up for you, Toby. I'll ask him as well, but I'll probably send him this email. I just uh, didn't see this one. I put it in my folder to address on straight shooting. But from Toby, dear Jason, keep up the great work on your podcast. I'm an avid listener for numerous plane trips uh, that I do. Looking out the window, wishing I was out there in the wilderness. (laughs) You and me both, mate, that's for sure. But we can't do anything right now, unfortunately, with this bloody lockdown. Just a quick question, if you don't mind. In your interview with Zach Williams, he talks about... A trip to NZ on a private ranch with log cabins and hot springs. Sounds terrific. Mate, that it does for sure. Uh, Can you share these details as I would like to book something similar, free or free to cash or content to the West. Lots of pig hunting in 2DA, 45 minutes from Perth. I probably got that wrong, but 2DA, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Um, If you go on Instagram, mate, I'm going to send him this link. Actually, while I'm doing it, I'll send him a picture uh, of your email. If you go to Aussie a u w s i e underscore arrow a w r o w on Instagram, you can find Zach there. So it's Aussie a u w s i e underscore arrow a w r o w, and follow him on Instagram there, and you'll be able to ask him that question as well. But I'll send it to him after I finish this show, mate. Recording this on the fifth of April, twenty twenty. Uh, to come out probably around the 15th or the 16th of April, somewhere around there. So I'll let him know anyway, mate. Sorry I didn't get back to you in the meantime. I will write to you when I finish this show today. And uh, probably by the time you hear this, you would have definitely received an email from me. Thanks, Toby, for writing in. Really appreciate it. So we know a lot of the... Gun shops, but started in WA, guys. This is our next topic, and it's very interesting because we're going to speak to Steve Threlfall from Trellies, or Steve Threlfall Trellies. I think that's his name if I'm getting it 100% correct. Uh, he's Trelleys Outdoor Tackle World Shepparton. Uh, fishing and Firearms, Trellies Outdoors Bendigo, Trellies Fishing World Geelong, Trellies Fishing World Laverton. So he has a b- bit of a big player in the fishing and hunting industry uh, here in Australia. And uh, 34 years in business, uh, he's been a presenter of uh, TV, Talking Fishing Live in Melbourne. Uh, Politics in 2010, he ran for Country Alliance, a Life Member of Field and Game. Uh, and in Victoria, he talks about here down the bottom that after the gun, the ammo restrictions, had a 70% downturn. Uh, and after the fishing ban, a 60% to 80% uh, downturn in fishing. So what we're going to do, we're just going to see if we can grab uh, Steve on the phone, have a bit of a chat to him about the downturn after these gunshots ban and the banning on fishing in Victoria. All right, Steve Trollfall, thanks for joining us, mate, to have a chat about uh, what's happening uh, down there in Victoria. First off, I just got your email. Just give us a bit of a background about yourself first. That'd be greatly appreciated.
2: Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I've uh, been uh, in, in the hunting and fishing all my life, so as, as far of the family family trait. so uh, in the gun shop for around about 34 years now, so I've been, uh, been around for a while before the buyback, the 96 buyback, and uh, I think some of the first guns I sold were just a flash of the uh, licence across the counter and away you went, so um, as far back as then, so uh, since then... Um, Got a couple more shops on board now, Long and Laverton, uh, which are just tackle shops about six years ago and just opened up another one 12 months ago over in Bendigo in the fishing and, and shooting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when did you guys – I want an interesting part about, you know, obviously this happened about, a, what, a week ago or so um, – now, well, just depends, all different parts of Australia. That was WA first, Queensland, then Victoria. Just wanted to find out, did you get any notice, of, especially more so the shops that you're selling guns and ammunition, did you even get any at all notice that um, you guys had to shut down the sales of guns and ammunition?
2: Yeah, no particular warning. It was just a um, 7 o'clock sort of in the morning. Um, and if you weren't on email or you didn't sort of keep up with your emails, you probably would have missed it. But uh, 7 o'clock uh, early Monday morning was the... Uh, Notification comes through by email saying that we couldn't then, um, you know, sell to the sporting shooter um, any more uh, ammunition and firearms. So, but no warning up to then.
1: That's unconscionable. So, you, you could have been theoretically, just through having missed one email, shut down and arrested by the police for trading in contravention of this magical order. Yeah, correct. Oh. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, and I don't think. Um, I don't think the uh, the police on the on the front line, you know, want to do that type of thing. I think these orders come from up above. So you know, it's, it's always the case of, you know, not shooting the messenger, but uh, yeah, well, they would have been put in the spot, perhaps.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, they would send this by an email. What, no phone call to from local authorities just to give you a heads up or anything like that?
2: No, pretty much. Um, I pretty much actually didn't. Uh, I wasn't aware of the email until I was told by uh, one of the public. And, uh, and then one of my staff uh, later on the, later on towards uh, nine o'clock. So, so, yeah, so being told by the public, you know, you've been shut down um, without any sort of real press release or anything like that. Uh, very similar to the, uh, the fishing that happened by, via a Facebook post too. So, uh, yeah, very disappointing in that, in that respect.
0: Yep. So just giving, uh, I guess, the listeners a bit of a rundown, what can you sell? What are you allowed to sell and what you can't you sell, especially more so in the, in the firearms area of ammo and you know, firearms and, and components?
2: Yeah, we had a visit on uh, Saturday morning by the um, uh, the guys in Melbourne, the uh, the chaps who enforce the the far as, well as the firearms registry. And look, they're always, like I say, can't shoot the messenger. They're always quite pleasant to deal with. But um, you know, they uh, came up and they said, look, we just want to you know, you know, to tell you some of the guidelines. You know, air rifle pellets are not a problem. Uh, reloading components aren't a problem. It's just the uh, the actual uh, ammunition itself and guns. And that's only to sporting shooters. So if your licence actually says primary producer on it, we can uh, we can say either, you know, the uh, ammunition you require or or the guns you require. Then in saying that, as a sporting shooter, you can still purchase a firearm under a layby condition under this uh, under the circumstances at the moment. So um, you can still, you know, if you're looking if you're looking down the track and say, look, this is going to last for a month or two, that might give you an opportunity to sort of, you know, p- put a gun in the process and sort of pay it off too. So we can do that.
1: Sorry, you're saying you can start the purchase process, and if you get a PTA, then they lift the restrictions. You could pay it off and take it home, but you, you can't collect a firearm at the moment.
2: Yeah, correct. So you can uh, you can on paper purchase the firearm. You can pay it off. You can pay it all off, but you can't pick it up until you get that PTA and the list, and they lift the current restrictions.
0: How long do you think this is going to go on for, Steve? What's the? Are they giving you an indication of time frame? One month, six months, two months?
2: They haven't given us a time frame, but I'm very involved in the fishing side as well. Um, you might have seen with my notes there that we do a live TV show in Melbourne called Talking Fishing. Uh, we're doing that for five years live on Tuesday nights. And there's a chap who chairs that called David Kramer. And he's probably the most outspoken guy in Victoria for the fishing side of things. And we just look at this. One affects the other. So as soon as I they said the fishing and you can't go fishing, I said you can't go hunting. So that's very much um, at arm's length sort of approach to this type of thing. But I know for a fact that, you know, they're really trying to, trying to put the wind up everyone around Easter. So if they get Easter over and done with and they can control the flow of traffic around the country or lockdown situation, I would imagine the fishing will come on, you know, reasonably quick after that, Um And I would hope that the, uh, you know, the hunting would come on, you know, pretty much straight after that. But that's just me. That's just my thought pattern.
0: Yeah, I've heard a couple of people say that maybe they're just trying to sort out the Easter period. But, you know, I'm looking at photos tonight. or or sorry, yes, last night and today. I mean, huge gatherings in in Brisbane, Um, big gatherings at Bunnings. I mean, why are gun shops and fishing places where it's normally a fairly solitary type of sport unless you're going with friends and family, but generally it'd be very minimal if you're going hunting and fishing because you can only get so many people on a boat or you can only get so many friends that can go hunting. Yet we've got hundreds in Bunnings buying, you know, stuff to fix up their house. They're buying plants and stuff. I mean, why do you think they've got on to sort of shooters, hunters and fishers this quickly other than, you know, what's been happening over you reckon over the Easter period?
2: Yeah. Look, um I can only surmise. I can only say, well, your Bunning store is down the road. Um it's not you know you're not traveling distances to fish or to hunt. Um but in saying that, yeah, you know, again, exactly what you're saying, and I and I've heard some of your podcasts, you know, you can line up at bunnings with 200 people where the activities that we would probably 95% uh, pursue as far as fishing and hunting, we would go you know with a mate or uh or certainly you know, you don't might even go by yourself. So and the reasoning behind that, look, I you know again, again, my thought pattern, um yeah, it really is uh, yeah. i look at the situation i say well you know, I'm, I'm a if i'm if i'm a sporting shooter i've jumped the fences i've jumped through the hoops i've done everything you know as we know we're such a controlled user group um and we seem to be sort of like um well, i say victimized but uh that picked on and that really makes you think back and you just go well hang on the government really don't trust me do they yeah that's that's what really hurts the most i think
1: Mm, absolutely, and the, the the lack of notice, like there's not, there was not even something in the media. They just to just one morning wake up and say, "Oh, by the way, you're out of business." That is just d- demonstrates such a lack of any sort of consideration, just absolute supreme arrogance and uh, total power.
2: Yeah, that's right. And to come out with this and say what they've said, other motives behind the thoughts pattern of what they're doing. Mm. Um, look, I've heard. Yeah, you know, the, the the whispers of uh, domestic violence. Uh, if that's the case, sure, come out and say it. But then again, if you're going to go down that path, you should so- shut every alcohol outlet in Australia. Um, you know, statistically wise, that's that's be the first place you'd shut down. But oh golly, there'd be an uproar there, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and what people don't underestimate too, I guess, is people saying, well, why are they buying at this particular period? You know, PTAs, was it per week? I think Lisa Neville said it, PTAs have doubled. And then in the next breath, she goes, we don't want those guns or ammunition getting into the hands of criminals, but why would they get into the hands of criminals when good law-abiding people, you know, are are buying those particular firearms? But as you know, because of the very, very weak dollar, I think, I'm not sure what it is right Right. now, but went down about 55 cents there. And, um, you know, the importers and stuff put a 10 to 20% increase uh, on their particular items. So a lot of people wanted to get in and try and get some deals uh, on existing stock before the new stock came from the importers.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's that's another thing with the permit to acquire um, PTAs. Uh, you know, there has been influx in it, but that's, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've um, been advertising the fact that some of these prices or most of the prices are going to rise between sort of 15 and 25%. So yeah. um, a lot of people are getting in before that price rise. You know, a firearm might be you know, twelve or thirteen hundred dollars. You're going to add another two two hundred fifty dollars to that gun. So why not get in and do it? Um, so it's probably brought. It's probably brought. You know, it's like when the when the housing loans come out, and they give you, the government give you a you know a twenty thousand dollar incentive. It brings forward a lot of those purchases or a lot of people building homes because they get the incentive. Well, at the moment with us with the incentive, is a twenty percent hike price. So you might be looking at a firearm that's worth two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's another four hundred dollars on top of that again. So yeah, that's. Um, that's probably a bigger factor in the in the increase in PTAs at the moment uh, than any other thought pattern that I can think of.
0: With the, I mean, obviously it's hard to manage this because of the virus that's around at the moment, but uh, before, obviously with the weak dollar, when people were actually, poor, before they were putting up prices, what were you sort of seeing? Were you seeing people come in and wanting to buy more? Uh, with the increases, they are going to start buying less, do you think? What do you think is going to start happening with that? Yeah,
2: um, well, up until the point where we were told we couldn't sell the sporting shoes, we definitely had a, a large rise in people, you know, buying ammunition, you know, and putting um, guns on layby, which was which was fine. The other thought, not not so much a thought, the other fact is, the U.S. can't supply their own domestic market, and I believe I could be wrong, but I think Australia is about two percent or under two percent of what the U.S. use as a whole country. So. We'll have a window at the moment coming up where you won't be able to probably get your favourite ammunition because, like I say, they can't supply their own domestic market. They really, really don't have to supply Australia. But they do, um, obviously, um, for for obvious reasons. But there's going to be a shortfall and there's going to be a window where you've sized your gun in for certain ammunition and you probably won't be able to get that if it's common ammunition. You'll be able to probably skirt around and get... You know, other things are probably more expensive, um, better ammunition, you know, things like that. But there's going to be a window coming up where, you know, supply of ammunition is going to be hard to get. And that's because of the U.S., um, you know, what they're doing, what's happening over there. Yeah.
0: I want to talk about the downturn in business. Obviously, you said you had a a, a, a spike in people coming in, obviously, to get some of those deals. But what about when the gun shop shut down? Um, you were obviously probably... People coming in wanting to buy guns and ammunition, associated equipment, reloading components. So since that was all shut down and only opened up uh, to primary producers, you know, say category D, your pest controllers and, and primary producers and farmers. How much of a downturn in business do you think you've seen, and what are you seeing just at the shops when people are opening it up to the you know category C and D owners? Has it dropped significantly?
2: Yeah, it has. the uh, The fishing side dropped uh, a little bit. But since the fishing has come out and said uh, Victoria said you can't fish, that's dropped off probably between the stores. You know, many Melbourne stores and your country stores probably sixty to sixty to seventy-five percent um, in the firearm sides. In my two stores, it's probably dropped around about seventy percent. We're probably probably a little bit lacking than some of the um, you know the city-based uh, dealers because we do still have a lot of farmers you know around us that um, buy ammunition um, and farmers that are, that are. Um, uh you know got the primary producer on their license you've got to remember too that primary producers license in victoria is free to a primary producer so that's fine the farmer goes great don't have to pay for it but under those conditions he can't take the gun off the uh, property or he can't travel into state with it and he goes oh bugger that you know i'm a clay target shooter so or a hunter so next time he gets his license, he finds out or he, or he goes back and he says, well, I want to go hunting. So they say, all oh, right, it's going to be $60 or whatever it is. So then a lot of times they they forget to put prime producer on their license because they've gone, oh, I'll do hunting and that still covers me on the farm anyway because I've got a shooter's license. So those people who come in, you know, without one, they can be, still be farmers, but they might not have prime producer printed on their license. So a couple of them get caught like that too. So that's a little bit of a... Yeah, understanding of your laws and what you can do and the boundaries of which you can, you know, operate.
0: Also wanted to talk about, I don't want to get into uh, the financials of it and stuff. Well, that's obviously a personal thing, but, I mean, not only yourself, but what about uh, the other gun shops and fishing areas? How long can, honestly, people hold on for when they're just not bringing in the money they should be bringing in day-to-day for normal business? I mean, how long before it starts affecting not only yourself, but other people financially? I mean, it already is affecting them financially, but to the point where they won't be able to continue.
2: Yeah, see, that that'll be probably determined by exactly your running costs. Um, you know, micro managing your business. Um, I've got a number of employees across my stores, and for those guys to actually get some sort of benefit out of this, as far as um, a social security or a government um, help, they've actually got to exhaust their holiday pay, and they've got to exhaust other things. So it's all right for me to shut down. Um, and if I have got a guy who owed three weeks' wages to, you know, I can pay him out, but then they can't go and get those benefits. So, um, uh, so I've got to exhaust all that type of thing before any of my guys can get any benefits, like job seek, job keep, you know, things like that. I know this is not probably particularly answering your question straight up front, but it just I'm just showing you the things that we go through as employers, you know, the minefield of of what we actually have to do. Do we put them off? Uh, we've got to pay them out. Do we keep them on skeleton staff and do our stock take, you know, and do us some other things like that? I'm spreading my staff over days on, days off, things like that, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at all their holiday pays, all these types of things to get my employees right onto anything that I can I can take mm-hmm. and get a help out with with government. But you've got to – but nothing's legislated. So they changed the goalpost five times in the last week on what they're actually going mm-hmm. to do. So as an employer – there's a shutdown period, there's a shutdown time as far as what you're going to do and then what you're going to do with your staff, if you do shut down, you can do a few little things, um, but then there's all this other stuff you got to think about.
1: It's almost like they want to destroy the industry. Is there any way you can get your staff writing letters or uh, contacting journalists to tell them how badly their situation is and uh, try and get some sympathy out there in the in the wider community because the rest of the media is doing a damn good job of demonising all hunters as domestic violence abusers. And uh, I've just seen something come around on Facebook where somebody commented in a published newspaper article that any time there's a mass shooting, the person pulling the trigger was likely a law-abiding licensed shooter before they became a criminal. So these sorts of comments are out there eagerly published by the mainstream media I'm just saying, if people have got some time, is there any chance pe- the you know the the people who are on um, slow work, anything they can do to help? I'm just raising the question. Anything that can help would be much appreciated.
2: Yeah, yeah look, uh, certainly, certainly, a phone call or a visit to your local member is a is a big start. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're in a in an area like, and I'm very lucky here that I've got good media, and I've got good politicians. Um, I'm talking Susanna Sheed, who's an independent here, who used to, do, used to be one of the lawyers for the Field and Game Association in Victoria and done a lot of work oh, there. Great. For them retain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she helped retain a lot of the land rights as far as game reserves here in Victoria. So she done a lot of work on that. So um, I've got excellent media with my Win TV and my local newspapers. You know, they come down. But I do a lot of advertising with them at the same time. I spend a lot of dollars with them. So, but they do, look, like I say, I'm very lucky in my area. Um, There was a a young girl come and done an interview with me on TV uh, the other day. And, um, golly, I forget her name. But uh, she was excellent. And she had a little chat with me. She took some film and some footage and put put that on Wing TV. Um, You could probably see it. a link. you probably find a link to it. And out of the conversation I had, Um, She done an excellent job, um, which was really, really good from someone who was open minded and and, by having a chat to them, you know, uh, sort of understood the problems that you're sort of going through. But yeah, look, certainly, certainly a call to your local MP, certainly a letter if you can do it, certainly a phone call um, would would help a lot because um, there's a lot of politicians out there, as we know, not so good, but there's there's some good ones. And there's some good media people too. So, yeah, we've got to stick to those people. They'll give you a fair, fair trial.
0: All right, Steve, mate. Thanks for coming on to uh, share that uh, bit of information with us about what's happening in Victoria. Hopefully, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk to a lot of different people and a lot of different shows on what's happening around the state and uh, how everyone's faring. So thanks for coming on to share me with what's happening in Victoria. Thanks very much. Yep, no problem. Anytime. Cheers.
1: The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass, enhanced with T-star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% of the eye-light
3: transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification
1: range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit Visit to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible.
0: All right, we've got Darren White here from Yarravalla Hunting and Recreation. He's been in business. They started a fresh business there, and they've been in business for about four years. Darren, thanks for joining me to have a chat uh, from Victoria to find out what's going on down there.
3: No, that's quite all right. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty dismal at the moment.
0: Yeah, can you tell us about when you first found out, uh, how did you find out that they were going to shut uh, the, the the shops down from selling guns and ammunition? And what percentage would you say would be you know firearms and ammunition as part of your business sort of model in your area?
3: Yeah, look, we're predominantly um, we've got a lot of farmers around the the grapes and vineyards, um, yeah, strawberry groves, things like that, and we've got a huge supply of deer shooters that come through the shop and through the through the Yarra Valley, basically the gateways to the uh, mountains, so to speak, down here in Victoria. And um, when we found out um, probably about two weeks back there that it was going to get really tight, um, we sort of got got the inkling that it was, yeah, they were going to shut us up, so to speak. Um, The rumours of, you know, huge ammunition sales and gun sales and all that, well, our ammunition was going, yeah, pretty good. Sales were up um, reasonably high. I would say probably an an extra 30 or 40% on this time sort of last year when the deer season kicks off. And uh, our gun sales uh, were pretty much the same as normal. They weren't jumping through the roof at all. We hadn't ordered any extra guns in or anything like that. So, yeah, it was a little bit sort of hard to read it and justify it all, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, mate. What a difference in foot traffic have you seen ever since the, the 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 basically the ban on people coming in and buying? You know, like your general category A and B, you know, sports shooters and hunters. How much downturn in business have you seen since the closure?
3: Well, look, I, I would say all in all, um, downturn in business over the last uh, probably more so in the last week would be nearly nearly ninety percent. It's just it's just stopped dead. Wow.
0: wow. It stops
3: dead, yeah. Cause the farmers, I mean, they're only using them for birds and um, pest control sort of thing, and they don't go through a lot this time of the year. So it's, yeah, it's put the brakes on us really, really hard. We've had to lay one of our um, female staff members off and put the other guys back to just a couple of days a week sort of thing. And, um, yeah, my wife's picking up extra work now at... Um, at a hospital and yeah, it's it's we're going backwards quicker than we're going forwards, that's for sure.
1: How long do you think you could last, not after specifics, but if, if they don't lift this ban in a week or two, is that going to critically affect your business?
3: Um Well it's gonna it's certainly gonna affect the business if if it if it stretches out much more than, you know, sort of I reckon I could hold it out for uh, you yeah, know, two to three weeks, no worries about that side of things. The banks have been absolutely brilliant with us. Um, but yeah, we've got suppliers, we've still got to pay mm-hmm. for line of credit and all that sort of stuff and yeah, it's 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 starting to squeeze pretty hard now.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh you know, it's three weeks. I mean it's pretty Pretty bad. I mean, I don't see it opening up, unfortunately, Darren, probably in three weeks, unless they're, I was speaking to a previous uh, gun shop owner in Victoria as well, and he said maybe they're just trying to get past that Easter period, keeping people at home, and then maybe start, you know, possibly, well, with our government, I wouldn't put it past them anything, but maybe start opening up some restrictions, say, after Easter and getting you know past that period of the holidays. Do you think there's some valid, uh, I guess, uh, do you think that's true or...
3: Well, yeah, yeah. Look, we we heard a rumor of the thirteenth of April, um, but we all know what rumors are like in the gun world. Mm. And um, <laughs> we do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you know, for for us, you know, like we've they've they've pushed the duck opening in Victoria back. They, they've basically hit it right on the head at the start of quail season down here. They've hit it right on the first of April, well fourth of April, for the the hound season for the deer shooters and all that. It's just all hit us at the wrong time. Mm. Like a whole lot of it's just yeah, laid us right up and, you know, all the shops were gearing up for to get up and get running to, you know, to, the money we make over sort of April and May, um, start of March sort of thing, it's, yeah, that gets pushes us right through for the whole year, so to speak. And yeah, now Jesus. it's not going to be there. But, um, if if we, you know, if we can't get, um, yeah, get the guns back on the track and ammo back on the track in a couple of weeks, there's not going to be many gun shops around that are going to survive it. Mm. That's for sure.
1: Well, I've said this yeah. before. If there's any chance, if your employees are uh, uh, don't have much to do inside the shop, get them writing letters and making phone calls to media. Uh, telling them how it's impacting their lives, how they're they're, they're having to work extra jobs or or they risk losing their um, entitlements, using up their savings because uh, we need to get the community uh, empathising because at the moment there's a lot of comments on social media like, we don't need guns anyway, just go to the shop to get your food like normal people. And so we need to help put a human face to this tragedy that is just ripping across regional Australia.
3: Yeah, and look, it's it's a... It's a big subject. Um, I don't know all the answers to it, sort of thing. I mean, why why you can go to a supermarket and can't go out one on one, you know, in the bushes beyond me. But I I personally I find our biggest problem is is all the fractions we have in shooting, all the different associations. And instead of having one big association that we're all under, it's it's you know, that's where we lose down in power, I think, in the in the shooting industry.
0: Darren, have you heard from anyone, uh, any of these organisations or any of these political parties that represent shooters? Have you had any calls or have you had any, you know, showing interest in in helping or anything? Like have you heard anything from them or anything like that?
3: I I hear a little bit from the um, Shooter and Fishers parties and all that because they go to, you know, the SHOT Show and all those big shows and put up a stall and you can sign up and become sort of members of that Um I do hear little little bits and pieces from those political parties, but uh, um, being uh, my background of um, 45 years as a shooter and I've been on different clubs and associations and I've been on the state board down here in Victoria in the Clay Target Association. Um, and... There's there's more fighting in amongst the the members than anything else, you know, from the different brands, and they won't allow each side to cross shoot and all this sort of thing. And none of that helps us. None of it helps us at all. And it's something we need to band together and um, get something sorted out in it. So Mate, we get more power.
0: Yeah. To finish off, what I mean? What do you want to sort of? What would you like to see over the next, say, two two weeks? What would you like to see? Obviously, you know, gun shops and the shops like yourself opening back up again. But what do you want to see?
3: Yeah. Look, I'd, I'd just, I'd like to see the yeah, the whole shooting industry back up and running again before it's too late. And you know, they, they basically kill us right off. But you know, I would get us you know, open and back up. Let the ammo go. Let the guys get back up in the bush shooting again. Um, yeah, get them out there. Quail shooting, duck shootings coming around the corner in May. So we, we need to get it back up and running and and as soon as possible.
0: Well, Darren White joins us from Yarravala Hunting and Recreation. Been in business down there for four years, mate. Hopefully things pick up. And uh, thanks for you know, sharing what's happening down mm-hmm. there in Victoria, mate. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK 70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. All right, so it's great to hear from the gun shops there in Victoria about all the things happening uh, down there in Victoria. It's certainly sad times ahead, especially when we were just talking to Darren there and, you know, pretty much these poor guys only saying they can last. What was it? Mm, three three weeks. Three weeks. Shit, man, that's just terrible. You know, this is how the government treats people, guys, and this is why I said just a little bit earlier on the show, you know, it's okay, we can write, and I agree with all that stuff, and but it just goes to show, moving forward, that, you know, the government just doesn't care about us, doesn't care about shooters, doesn't care about hunters. You know, people going out of business, they just don't care. So what options do we have otherwise than proceed with legal action? I don't know why it's been a week since all these closures have happened and we haven't done anything about it. We haven't lodged anything formally nothing all around australia they're just crapping on us and we're doing nothing but anyway i guess at least we're getting the word out there guys we're doing all the things that we can do um here it's probably not much in the grand scheme of things because you know we don't have the funds to take these people to court but you know certainly a few out there do so that's what they need to do next topic coming up we've got uh, pauline hansen uh said a few things just recently uh in a media release now she's sort of come out in i guess Uh, What would you say, Justin? Helping shooters, trying to be nice to them. Now, just before we go ahead, most of us, and Justin will remember this, where they got stung by some anti-gun fake person with the Al Jazeera Network. This was probably maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe less, just before the election. And they got sprung. It was uh, James Ashby, her senior advisor, and it was Steve Dixon who uh, was a member for Queensland. He used to be a member of the Liberal Party. They were, you know, rubbing shoulders with the NRA, which I didn't have a problem with. To be honest, I thought it was pretty good. Mm. I thought it was fantastic. But once they got caught and they were on, I think it was Andrew Bolt show, and she said, we won't be doing anything uh, to uh, change anything in regards to gun laws. So we want to talk about what she said, and I'm going to go into just a little bit later. We're going to play a little bit of that audio uh, that actually says... <laughs> I was just playing it to Justin before we did it, and he sort of raised his eyebrows and was quite mm. shocked because I don't think many people have heard it before. This was quite a while ago. But let's go into her media release, the 3rd of April uh, 2020. Dear Premier, on the 28th of March 2020, the Queensland Health Department uh, classed all Queensland licence armors and dealers as non-essential. So then she goes on to say, Premier, this is non-executive order made by unelected members of the Palaszczuk government uh, subvert the rights of the law-abiding business owners as well as some 250,000 fit and proper Queensland licensed gun owners who comply with the world's most stringent national gun laws. Now, this is my biggest qualm here. I wasn't sure what she meant at first. This Mm. line here says, Unlike the United States, Australia cannot just walk in off the street and buy a gun for protection (laughs) of their family. So that quite upsets me a lot because when I first thought about it, I thought maybe because of all the shutdowns, she's sort of saying we should be able to do that. But once I've read it three or four times, uh, it definitely doesn't say that. Uh, It goes on the bottom. It says, Your government also fails to recognise countless licensed shooters, who assist farmers with feral pest eradication, uh, who can no longer purchase ammunition. The ban also prevents the repair of firearms and other gunsmithing services. Uh, The completion of orders, sales, lay-bys must be made weeks in advance or took place. Uh, The storage of guns for customers. So yeah, if something happens, you don't have a Mm. licence, you need to take a gun to someone, you need to get it stored. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on this? Because we'll play the audio in a second to yeah, give the, people a the, bit of context.
1: The, the last issue is: let's just say you have a firearms owner who is killed tragically, and their family don't have a license. They need to sort it out, as well as grieving for their family member. So they need to store their firearms at a gun shop. How can they do that when the gun shops are closed? Um, just the, the line there, she says, unlike the United States. Australians cannot walk in off the street and buy a gun for the defence of their family. Yeah, look, sorry, Pauline, that can't happen in America either. Uh, As a lot of people are discovering, there is a waiting period, there are background checks, and a lot of people are horrified now that they can't just walk in and pick up a gun for the defence of their family because that's simply the perception that's pushed by the media. And I would strongly recommend that you educate yourself. I'm happy to do it. Uh, There's lots of licensed shooters who are happy to educate you as to what the gun laws in America are like and how Australian gun laws could be improved. But that brings us to the next section yeah she made us some really good
0: points there like you know very very valid points but uh what i wanted to do was just you know play this was after the nra one nation sting which we just spoke about just previously um i want to she was on andrew bolt uh, which is sky news the bolt report and she was talking about uh what she would do you know in regards to you know the future of gun laws in the country so i wanted to play it for you because i think people have very short memories i see a lot of people on the net out there you know praising pauline hansen which is fine you know she's done a good job there there's a lot of things i don't one thing in particular i don't agree with which is the self-defense thing but i think we should not forget also what she said previously and we'll play that now
1: one nation will never allow for weakening of the gun laws in australia i'm not interested in what the nra uh what their laws are this is australia this is my stance and as long as i am leader of this party it will never ever change well Guys, just heard from Pauline Hanson. It will never, ever change. Mm, Look, there's no no inconsistency between these two things. She can still say we're not going to weaken Australia's gun laws and still be opposed to this knee-jerk overreaction, Um, but it would be nice if a whole bunch of Queensland voters wrote to Pauline in a paper and said, uh, here's the facts, please educate yourself and stop discriminating against us because we are the most law-abiding members of society. And you might pick up a few more votes if you started making the right noise and just be the calm voice of facts against the media hysteria and fake news fear mongering.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate her support on this fact, but is I mean again, this is just a letter. She has no real pull in Parliament. What what's this letter exactly going to do? It's a publicity stunt. Yeah, and, you know, it's disappointing because, you know, I, I liked Pauline Hanson before. I thought she was good. I would have preferred her to come out during this NRA sting. I said, yeah, you know, we were getting some, you know, lobbying tips uh, in regard – maybe not necessarily in regards to firearms, but how they generally lobby uh, in, in the US for, in regards to the NRA. Maybe they could mm. have learned something to, to, you know, get more people under there. We more people to vote for them,
1: maybe lobby for other specific issues. Maybe it just wasn't lobbying just about – Mm. firearms in particular. You have to understand the NRA doesn't just lobby for city people's gun rights. The NRA has a massive hunting advocacy program, uh, a lot of hunter education, conservation, the biggest wetlands and wildlife um, preservation initiatives are are started and run by the NRA and funded by the NRA. So for Queensland, which has a massive amount of natural resources and rainforests and um, forests that need managing... Um, I'm quite sure that the Queensland state government could learn a lot of conservation initiatives from what the NRA is doing. So there's there's nothing to be uh, there's nothing bad about conversation and sharing ideas and uh, and broadening people's experiences. Um, the 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 problem comes when you get fearmongering and rumours and uh, and splashed around as facts.
0: You know, I don't think she's gonna be the saviour of I mean, yeah, I like Justin just said, I agree with that. You know, she's written this letter, she doesn't have to be supportive of the other to write a letter, that's great. But I mean the grand scheme of things, she doesn't want to change anything. So just unfortunately just be a bit of a pass from me. I mean, I appreciate she's trying to help business in Queensland, that's that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. But in regards to long term, I'm sort of more talking about here. Really, I don't think we're going to get anything from Pauline mm-hmm. Hanson. Maybe if she was in Parliament and she, you know, had a chance to change something and she was in Parliament, you know, it's going to be fair. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to see that anytime soon because the people just keep voting for the two major parties, Labor mm-hmm. and Liberal at every turn. Uh, even sports shooters and hunters uh, are still voting National Party and Liberal Party. So, you know, I hope this mm-hmm. is waking people up, guys. I hope the stuff we are talking about is really hitting yeah. home with people. And... Uh, you know, always do your research. Mm,
1: so, so yep. Sorry, Pauline, you've never been my number one, but um, you've always been in the top five of, of every election <laughs> that I voted for. Uh, I vote below the line. And um, I, I just think that as a, as a minor party, I recognise you don't have a huge amount of power, but you are absolutely essential and we need more people voting for your kind. SFFP, One Nation, Qatar, Liberal Democrats have I've been promoting all of these minor parties because a healthy democracy is composed of a lot of representative parties. It is not two major parties who basically do the bidding of their big donors, um, that this is not a healthy democracy, and it's the responsibility of every voter to help us change that. And so if you can include Pauline in your top five or top ten, it, it may not be ideal, but it's better than the current status quo. Yep. And looking
0: here too, another one just came up on the Facebook page from just a few days ago. WA Police now refusing to approve licences. So this was on the 30th of March, 2020. And this Firearms Owners United put this one up. um, And so it takes away their address at the top. It says, Due to the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 pandemic... Your application is hereby declined, as it cannot be reasonably justified at this time. Now, I don't know if exactly this is a license or a permit to acquire. Please be advised that due to your application being declined, you may apply for a refund of the fee you paid and when you lodged your application. To apply for the refund, email licensing services at police, blah, blah, blah. Then on the bottom, it says, please note that any refund given will be minus the administrative and processing fees incurred by Australia Post. Well, you know how can they be incur the fee by Australia Post if they have got no chance of you either approving it and or disapproving it at this time because of this declared COVID-19 what's that got to do with at all with buying firearms at all period you know there's no I'm not seeing anywhere and this is probably be very similar to New South Wales there's only so many offences that stop them from approving you know, permits, not just making shit up like this COVID-19 as if it's a reason to, you know, decline because it's not reasonably justified
1: at this time. Yeah, we just don't like it. We've never liked shooters. And so we're going to use any excuse to screw you over. And even if we grudgingly have to give you a refund under consumer law, we're still going to deduct whatever money to rip you off as much as we can. Um, The note on FOU's post is, Oh, Waypole, in for a world of hurt. I seriously hope that indicates legal action is about to commence like we were talking about before because the only way shooters are going to get out from under this thumb is to honestly be... uh, I've I've made this reference before. Jason's made this reference before. Regardless of what you think of the issue, the GLBT plus uh, part of society has made their rights... Uh, much more visible, they've taken legal action about discrimination, they've funded campaigns, they've got into the media and they've got into politics and they've got their rights. The LGBT people have far more rights than shooters do and I'm um, no matter what you think about the people themselves, the tactics, the strategies and more importantly, the funding that the average person is giving to their campaigns has made the difference. And if if, uh, Firearms Owners United are running a a legal campaign, stick up the GoFundMe, put up the the bank account details. I'll chip a few bucks in and I'll share it as much as I can because the only way we're all going to get ahead is if we all chip in a bit to all of these initiatives. Well, guys, I hope you like this show. Uh,
0: There was a lot to talk about. Thanks for all the people from the Victorian gun shops coming on to the show. Uh, That was really exciting stuff. Of course, if you want to get on any future shows, please send us emails. We really appreciate that, australianhuntingpodcast, gmail.com. Like I said, you can find us on all the media, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean app if you want to listen to the show, Uh, Australian Hunting Podcast on the YouTube channel or AHP Outdoors on my personal hunting YouTube channel. Uh, I put a few videos up here and there. quite busy but uh, some of the ones I've just put up recently I've put spent a lot of time on uh, trying to bring some better content on my YouTube channel especially my rabbit hunting one I quite enjoyed making that a lot of people uh, have enjoyed watching that so that's awesome and if you want to leave a voicemail for the show as well, if you just go on the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website on the right-hand slider bar, you'll see where it says, "Leslie voicemail. I think you've got a minute and a half or 90 seconds. Um, if you can condense it into 90 seconds, that'd be great. Uh, if you screw it up, you can just redo it. It won't send. You can re-record it and uh, send it. It'll come through uh to my email of course you want to support me on patreon that'd be awesome too i know it's not the time guys to be asking for that sort of thing so if you want to or you want to wait until you know this pandemic's over patreon.com forward slash ahp uh you will get all the shows in advance of everybody else and uh, any support is always greatly appreciated and also if you want to leave us an itunes comment rate rate five stars i mean of course i hope you hopefully you want to rate five stars (laughs) But uh, if you could do that, jump on iTunes, leave us a comment, rate, that'd be greatly appreciated. I know a lot of people right now push to their limits uh, on what's happening, you know, in the, in the industry. Um, they're, they're seeing things for what it is. They're now seeing, you know, the police have a big hand on being able to shut down things in this country. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. But uh, Justin, made anything to finish off?
1: All, all I can say is reiterate what we've been talking about. Uh, the future's in our hands, and it's up to us. There's nobody coming to save us. We are just going to have to do the work ourselves and uh, tune in next time. All right, guys. Uh, as usual, my name is Jason. I'm Justin Luke. And thanks,
0: guys. We will see you on the next one. You're listening to The Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.